Today on Locked On Canadians, we talk about that draft video that the Montreal Canadiens released and the top 25 under 25 is complete. We're going to talk all kinds of analysis and that's coming up in just one moment. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 908. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL or enter promo code LockedOnNHL for a free water bottle with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined by Scott Matla, as always, of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, thank you for taking the latest episode. Apologies to our listeners for being absent. I was a bit under the weather. Thank you for the well wishes. Um, And thank you, above all, to all of you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. Scott, how are you doing today? And how excited are we to talk about the draft video? I'm the one who muted my mic this time. We are off to a (laughs) flying start here. Uh, I'm excited. I know I talked about the draft video a little bit in our last episode, just kind of referenced it a a touch there. I'm excited to kind of break this down because it seems like a lot of people have taken a lot of different viewpoints from this, Uh, this being the video itself, which is fair. Everyone has a different way to analyze or process things. And uh, as we've learned in the Canadians draft videos, there's maybe not as much shown this year as last year. Last year, I think, was a little bit more behind the scenes like with the players itself. And this year felt a little bit more like the draft room, the draft uh, cabal, as it were, in Montreal. I don't know if it was better or worse. I don't think it's as good as last year's video, but I still think that it is potentially a not potentially it is a very good thing that they as a team are open to kind of showing their process the good and the bad in there they're not shying away from you know where some of their scouts made a stand on a player and i think that's for better or for worse is the right way forward and things like this so we are going to get into comparing the two draft videos later so i'm trying right now to isolate kind of the reaction and the sentiment uh, for this year's video and try to like pretend as if like we didn't see last year's video because I think one of the big things is that the feelings that were associated with the video itself were kind of translated from the feelings that we had about the draft and not just isolated to the video but if you look at this year's video forget last year's video at all did it answer any of the questions that you had about the choices that the Canadians made in the last draft no I <laughs> So, yes, in the case of someone like Jacob Fowler, I think uh, there was a lot of people. And that, I think, is the big sticking point here is that this group loved Jacob Fowler and they loved Bogdan Konyushkov and they loved Florian Jekai. Uh And I think Fowler acquitted himself very well in this thing here. I didn't get a whole lot of sense about why they chose Reinbacher over anybody else in this. There weren't a whole lot of 
debates it felt like on why him why not Michkov why not Ryan Leonard why not trading up trading down it just kind of seemed like okay we're going to take Ryan Barker they showed a little bit of his interview and you know the questions they asked him and that was about it they focused a lot on honestly Jacob Fowler was the biggest person they talked to in this and he he made it clear he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He wants to win. He wants to be the underdog battler there. He's like, I was, you know, winning awards in these leagues and went and sat there in a full suit with my parents going undrafted in this league, in this league. And then I was still the best player here. And now I'm going off to college. And it's like, this is a kid who, you know, feels that chip on his shoulder and wants to compete. And I think that the Canadians, honing in on that is I think he fits kind of that underdog mentality that they want on this team is that okay if no one else believes in us we believe in us and I think that's a strong thing I just wanted a little bit more about just how did you end up on Reinbacher what was the consensus on someone like Philip Erickson or Luke Middlestat here I'm also wondering how much can you show because how much of it is just going to be you know censored because you know it is a family-friendly thing there and it's some of the parts that did show it just it, it does lead me to have more questions, less so than last year's where I look at this and go, that process makes a lot of sense. I see why they honed in on Lane Hudson, why they honed in on Vincennes Roars, why they honed in on Uri Slavkovsky, etc. And this year, I just kind of have questions about Florian Jack as a unicorn. Okay, why? Besides, he's large. What makes him a unicorn? And I feel like we didn't get a lot behind that. And it's a little bit frustrating in that regard. I think that is my biggest takeaway from that is that I came away liking the players more, right? I got more of a glimpse of the players. I ended up like really, you know, getting a sense of why I should root for, let's say, Jacob Fowler, right? Like he's the, he was the big, he was, like you said, there was a lot of focus on him. So I came away liking the players more. So like it did feel like a little bit more of like a marketing and showcasing the players. I did not get any sense of why, right? Like, so one of the biggest questions that that the fans have had, um, I've had it, you've had it, the media's asked it, like even, you know, if our listeners in the comments kind of have it as well, is why did you make this choice over another choice? And obviously they're not going to go on the record, you know, uh, talking trash about a player they didn't end up picking but they didn't even give us the reasons as to why somebody was chosen just in general over another player, right? Like, like why they preferred certain people. So I think for me, that was my biggest takeaway is that I learned a little bit more about the players themselves, but I still didn't learn anything about the decisions that were made. I wanted to ask you, Scott, was there anything in the video? Because again, we're comparing last year and this year, but Last year, it came with a lot of happy feelings. Like people couldn't wait for it when they when it came out. People were so excited about it. Like this year, I feel like the um, the reaction to it was a little bit more negative. And I know part of it is because we're Montreal Canadiens fans. It kind of comes with us. You know, it's a package deal with us. But was there anything in that video that you really thought was um, showed us something to be concerned about about either the sc scouting staff? or the future of this team's drafting? Like, did you find any causes for concern, I should say, in the latest video? I think, and it goes back to one of the more powerful people in the room, Nick Bobrov, describing Florian Jekai as a unicorn. I, there come, 
is a time in each draft where big players get picked because they are big. Look at the Arizona Coyotes this year. Is I don't love that idea because we've gone through that. Yes, Arbor Jacki. Arbor Jacki is technically probably closer to a unicorn than his brother is. And I want to make this clear is that I'm not going to write off Florian Jacki before I watch him play competitive games this year. He's likely going to be at the rookie showcase. I'm not going to write him off of having a growth curve there where he's six foot four. Now he's a big guy EP. You know, I talked about in the last episode has some good things to say around the net, but can he improve? Can he hit that other level there? It's, it feels like there were a lot of actual potential home run swings they could have taken. We've talked about this ad nauseum in the draft is why were you passing on a guy like a Jaden Perron? Why did you pass on other players in favor of a Jack guy, a Bogdan Kunioshkov? I kind of get now based on the time that he's played in the KHL and just the, the overall scouting reports that we've gotten to read on him. But why Sam Harris? Why Luke Middlestale? Why this? Why that? We didn't get an elaboration on that, and it makes me fear that maybe people who went to bat for some of these more skilled players, you know, were kind of overruled by other people in there. I don't want it to become clicky in that, like, the old school mentality is looking at this. I didn't see a lot of Chris Boucher in this video, which worries me a little bit because he was prominently featured a little bit in the last one, and I didn't see him as much in this one. You should want that impact. The people who know how to analyze and look at the numbers here. You don't need to look at a spreadsheet if you're Nick Bobrov or, you know, Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, et cetera. But if you have a guy who can go, these little blue bars here are the things that he does well. These are the red bars. This is what he does poorly. If we draft this guy and we draft this guy, they're complimentary. Or are we just drafting so much of this? I wish I would have seen more of that. And that's kind of what concerns me a little bit is we didn't see a lot of deep analysis in this. It felt like a lot of platitudes across the board. I think we should move on to comparing the two videos and what we learned. And we're also going to talk about the top 25 under 25. Um, and we are so excited actually about the top 25 under 25. Like despite our feelings about this video, there's so much excitement in the Canadian's future. And all of that is coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, let me tell you about Bird Dogs, one of our sponsors for today. What are Bird Dogs? Bird Dogs are the most comfortable pair of pants or shorts that you will own. And not only that, they're also stylish. They're not just any pair of pants or shorts. They're so, so comfy, but you can also wear them out. And, you know, I'll be honest, everybody got shorts and then everybody got pants and every single one of them has been a hit. You look at that and you're like, they're just pants, right? They look like any other. No, you put them on. And they're so freaking comfortable and they make you look so, so good. But don't just take my word for it. Try them out. Trust me. You're going to love how they fit. You're going to love how you look in them. And visit birddogs.com slash NHL and order right now. Or you can use the promo code LockedOnNHL to get a free water bottle with your purchase. Once again, visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL. Or use promo code locked on NHL to get a free water bottle with any purchase where you won't want to take those bird dogs off. We promise you. 
All right, Scott. So you brought up a little bit about the lack of uh, Chris Boucher or in general, we were talking about like deep analytical thinking in the latest video. I have two kind of concerns about that or no, one is a concern and the other one is an opinion that might be a little bit of a positive is that I don't necessarily think the Canadians are moving away from that kind of analysis, although their picks seem to say something different. Um, so you know, it is possible given how they picked this year that they've moved a little bit to more quote unquote intangibles than analytics, which is not the end of the world. Like you do need to have a balance of everything. Like you can't just be purely analytics. You can't just be purely intangible. You need to have a balance because like essentially if you're running a hockey team, you need to take the best information and the best skill and the best decision making that is available to you and apply it all together. Otherwise, what are you doing? You don't have an edge over any other teams. And then the other reason that I thought potentially they didn't showcase Chris Boucher is because they didn't want to reveal maybe like the parts that featured him or his team or more of the, you know, the analytics people in the room. Maybe they just, they were too revealing about the way Canadian, the Canadians do things. Maybe there was proprietary information or data gathering in there that they didn't want to share with other people. Maybe, you know, they don't want their, their opponents watching those videos and getting clues, which is not to say you know, that um, that NHL teams aren't always trying to find these things out about each other. Like, I just, I, f I feel like maybe we can feel a little bit better. Or maybe it's one of those things where one year <laughs> they're going to go one way, the next year they're going to go the other way, the next year they're going to go the other way, and maybe their, their way of balancing is alternating. Anyway, I have rambled quite a bit about this. Scott, what are your thoughts on the comparison of this year versus last year and what it says? I feel like we got a lot more player insight last year, too. Like I said, we got a lot about Jacob Fowler this year, which is phenomenal. And it's I already liked the pick a lot. And then just getting to hear him, he's he's not arrogant in the way that he is confident in how he wants to prove people wrong. He has just that 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 chip that they're sitting there and they're talking to him about this player, oh, he's a passer, but he shoots this hand. Oh, he's a shooter. He shoots this way. He's, you know, a little bit of both, but he shoots this way. And they asked him, they're like, oh, wow, you're pretty good. He's like, I could tell you, you know, anyone in the league. And it proves that he does his homework on these things. We saw that they, when they asked Owen back last year, oh, well, how good are you at faceoffs? And he goes, I'm one of the best in the OHL. And, you know, I can bring up the stat sheet to prove it. Yes. He said the best, the best. He said best in the OHL. And here's the thing is, yeah, like it, I, I don't, you know, see the law, the lie there. It's just talking with these players here. We got to learn a lot about how smart, like Vincennes roar is. We got to learn. I didn't learn as much about players in this. And like, I got to talk to, uh, you know, David Reinbacher at the draft combine and you get to see, He's a smart kid. He has a good head on his shoulders. Jacob Fowler seems like a kid who, you know, is made for this pressure. And he said it like pressure is a privilege and he just gets it. But I want to see more of that. When did they sit down and talk with these players? Like how did they come to a conclusion that they were going to, you know, take a Russian goaltender, take, you know, a guy like Quentin Miller, who was a backup in the QMJHL, take Bogdan Kuniushkov. How did you get to these did, which players did you get to talk to? Did you talk to Luke Middlestat? When did these things happen? And 
I feel like I'm just kind of the left wanting a little bit of that. But like you said, maybe they didn't want to reveal too much of the drafting process again and have other teams start, you know, following into that, which would be understandable. But it's just, it was good. I enjoyed the video. It just feels like it's lacking a little bit of what that had last year. I want to see more of those behind the scenes players with the testing and the questions that they're asking them. We saw a lot, a little bit with Reinbacher. We saw a bit with Fowler. The whole draft combine video was meant to be about the players, not always the guys in the room. And I say guys in the room because guys in the room, I want to see more of the things that's actually about those players. What locked you into those players being the right choice? And that's what I want. Like, what did they say to you that, you know, it worked, it clicked. And I think that's fair. And I want to get a little bit back to like the feelings a little bit that, that kind of, the sentiment that was that was around when the video came out again i was like extremely under the weather so i was following mostly um you know on social media to see what people thought and what people felt and it felt like a little bit extreme um in terms of like last year everybody was like oh my god this is amazing the canadians are geniuses this is like wonderful and then this year it's like oh my god i'm concerned about the future of this franchise i don't think we need to be concerned about the entire future of the franchise i think this video and the draft itself, like, maybe is not in a direction that we wanted to see necessarily. But that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And it doesn't mean that, the, you know, the Canadians are building a team. It's not a one-year process. It's not a single draft process. It is an overall kind of thing. And we might not like the decisions they made this year. But I will be concerned if they keep making decisions like this for the future, right? Like, if they start trading away some of these more skilled players, some of these more steal-of-the-draft type players, and get more people that just, like, all they bring to the table is size, then I'll be concerned, right? But, like, until they do that, until, like, they show that the way that they deal with their assets is a bit concerning, then... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. They keep talking about being a fast and skilled team, right? And as a lot of listeners love to remind us every single time, you need size. You do need size. You can't, but you have to have a balance, right? So like, you can't go one way or another. Like, and so I think like, it's, it's a little bit, like I said, like the feelings, the sentiment comes from the draft itself. Like if you were disappointed in this draft, like this video would have to be really, really amazing to make up for that, right? Like to bring you back on side. Whereas if you were really happy with the draft, you're probably happy with this video. Um, and it's the same thing as last year. Like people love the draft. Like there were still a lot of questions about Slavkovsky. Like I get it. And I think, you know, like that's going to take a little bit longer, but he's going to get there and he's going to be a number one overall pick type player. Like I still have that faith. But I think other than that, like the steals that the Canadians got, like, you know, people like Owen Beck and Lane Hudson, like those are just two of the players they got last year that everybody was like, wow, like they got them there. That was such a steal. You know, I think that feeling, you know, so that video itself kind of just solidified that for us. It just like reinforced that feeling. So like in terms of like comparing, comparing it year over year, like I still say that even though it's a two year sample size or like a maybe let's say a 365 day sample size. I still think it's still a pretty small sample size for us to be judging like whether or not the future is going to be something we can believe in. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's like, I, I want to be, I want to be proven wrong and see new things on this. Like I said, I'm not going to write off anyone from this draft class before they've played a game for the Montreal Canadians, if they play a game or before I actually get a chance to watch them with my own two eyes, because 
I didn't watch a ton of, you know, players the Canadians drafted last year. And, you know, I can go back and check the highlights and the clips on that and then watch them this year. I can see where things are going. I want to be able to watch this. And it's the writing off and the just, if you went in and you were like, I'm going to hate every minute of this, you're going to hate every minute of this. That's just the way it is. It's, you know, you're not, if you're going to go in with a closed mind, you're not going to enjoy what you see. And that's just simple facts, unfortunately. And it's kind of a shame that like, People just want to go in looking for things to hate instead of just watching the video. And then maybe they pick up on something. Oh, well, that makes sense. It all depends on what viewpoint you approach it to. And that goes for last year, too. You might have hated every pick they made last year, which, if that's the case, weird, but okay. You're going to hate that How video. How can you hate Lane Hudson? He's short. Oh, trust me. When we get into the top 2,525 analysis, there is a lot to happen here. Trust me. All right, and we will do that literally in just one second here on Locked On Canadians. Before we get into this segment, I want to remind everybody that Friday is the Friday mailbag. I do have some questions left over from last week um, that I also have some questions left over from previous weeks. Hi, Danny. Um, You know, uh, questions that I will be tackling, but uh, please send us your mailbag questions uh, on lockedoncanadians at gmail.com that is our preferred method you can also leave them in the youtube comments put mailback question at the beginning uh you can tweet us or whatever it's called on social media i am at the active stick everywhere scott is at scott matla uh pretty much everywhere we still have our account on former twitter it's lo underscore canadians so that you can you know send us send us your mailback questions there as well uh, but our preferred method is uh, the LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com uh, email account. It's easier to curate. We don't miss them. I promise you I'll go into the junk mail and check because I missed one a couple weeks ago. Either way, please send your mailbag questions for the Friday mailbag episode. And exciting news, we are going back to five days a week in a couple weeks. Uh, and so either way, make sure you're subscribed and that you follow us everywhere you get your podcast. Scott. Let's talk about the top 25 under 25 as a Habs Eyes on the Prize editor. Can you tell me about the work effort that goes into this? And uh, <laughs> for those of you who uh, who can't see him on the YouTube right now, Scott has his head in his hands, essentially. Scott, let's talk about the 20, top 25 under 25. And um, first talk about the process, and then we'll talk about the actual players on it and if there were any surprises. So the process is the hard part because 54 prospects to rank is a lot. It, it is not a, an insignificant amount of time in that, oh, well, I've got like the bottom five planned out and I've got the top five planned out or top 10 planned out, whatever. Cool. Still three dozen other players to rank. And the thing is, when you have a big prospect pool, you get a lot of people who get lost in the minutia of it all. You have, you know, your these players under 25 are not going to leave this like range here. You know, Nick Suzuki was always going to be at the top. Cole Caulfield was always going to be number two. Who's going to be three? Who's going to be four? Who's going to be five is always, pardon me, up in the air. Like that is, that's the hard part is it. Everything can always change. Kirby Doc ended at number three this year. I thought maybe he wouldn't. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd slip a little bit with how high Lane Hudson ro- rose up and Yuri Slavkovsky, et cetera. And no, it, and the thing about it is, is that you sit down and then you vote 
And then Justin, God bless him, tabulates all the community votes from the open forum there. They get rid of the ones that are clearly just like trolling opinions like Cole Caulfield is at 40, like things like that. Tabulate everything, put it into spreadsheets, see where everyone shuffles out. Sometimes we have ties. Sometimes it's separated by like, you know, one one hundredth of a point between the positions here. And then we, you know, sit down like here are the sections, the long shots, the projects, the near misses, et cetera, the graduates from who are no longer on this list here. And then we dole them out to all the writers who are on staff who want to write about them. Uh, Patrick Bexell, Jared and Matt Anton at Eyes on the Prize for Habs and Minded Radio went out and Laura, you were a guest on there. I was a guest on there. They book guests for like a series of episodes and go through all of that. We write the articles, we put them out there, and then we stare in horror as the comments turn into whatever it is. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's great. And we go from there. Unfortunately, a lot of the comments on some of the ones that have been done already are are gone already because we migrated the website uh, a little bit. So it's showing zero comments on some of these. We are onto a new platform again which hopefully we will be sticking at at Habs Eyes on the Prize. So pardon us with that transition here, but it is so much. And then everyone has their own opinion on how they voted and why players should be in a spot. And this year, Arbor Jacki was the, was the divisive player. And I, as people know on this, on this podcast, we love Arbor Jacki. We would also like Arbor Jack Eye to, you know, find that next level, that next gear. Because the staff had him at 17th overall. The community had him at 10th, which is wow. a, which is a large, large gap. In, um, Who would he have beat out if he was at 10th? If he was at 10th, he would have beaten out. He would have taken Owen Beck's spot at 10th. So he would have beaten out Beck. Justin Barron, Adam Engstrom, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, Jordan Harris, Sean Farrell, Logan Mayu, where the players ranked directly in front of him before uh, Joshua Waugh came in at ninth. It's it's something. Um, it's, yeah. Xavier Simeno got a big boost from the writing staff as well. He placed 26th, or he was 30th overall. Our, the staff rank had him 26th. The community had him 34. So we had him eight spots higher in kind of a reversal. Uh, same with Bogdan Kuniushkov, who was uh, plus seven. Luke Tuck was another divisive one. The community had him 30, 29. Writers had him at 38. It's everyone has different ways that they analyze players. And one of the things that I've learned is that Habs fans want someone big and nasty in their lineup. And that is entirely their right. Uh, I, I am think going... it's justified. I just don't think that like they need to be ranked that much higher over the more skilled players. And the thing is, is that I, cause here I wrote Arbor Jack guys profile and I wrote it in a way that it's like, I am not looking to be inflammatory here. There are things in his game that he needs to work on. That is not a, that is not a, a thing that I look at that and go, oh yeah, this is a negative. It is just a, it is just the truth of the matter here. He's become one of the most popular players here. 
He sent Zach Cassian basically into retirement in like his early games here. It's just every inherent bias makes this so hard. And this is what makes things fun, actually, a lot is everyone views things differently. I, I struggle with ranking AHL players because they're the ones that I view the most and I have the most invested in them. I've tried to step away from that a little bit and understand that's not always the case. Sometimes I'm right, like Raphael Harvey Pinard. Sometimes I'm wrong. Charles Houdon, uh, Noah Juleson, etc. But it is it is such a fascinating thing here. And I can I don't know if we actually listed the entire uh top 25 here, but um we've got a couple minutes. Let's get through it. All right, also, just everybody's just so everybody knows I was unhabsent minded to do the Lane Hudson episode. So uh, I can run this down as quick as possible. Are we ready here? Yes. Uh, I will start all the way at the bottom. 54th, Alexander Gordine. 53rd, Daniil Sobolev. Jack Smith was 52nd. Emma Croteau was 51. Dimitri Kostenko was 50. Joe Verbatic was 49. Sam Harris was 48. Blake Biondi was 47. Yevgeny Volokin was 46. Florian Jekai was 45. Pateri Nermi was 44. Philip Erickson was 43. Luke Middlestat was 42. Tyce Milanic was 41. Quentin Miller was 40. Rhett Pitlick, the last remaining Pitlick in Montreal, was 39. Miguel Torini was 38. Nicholas Bodan was 37. Jared Davidson was 36. Kodinishkov was 35. Tuck was 34. Cedric Guindon was 33. Mishak was 32. Norlinder was 31. Simono was 30. Primo was 29. Vincennes Roars was 28. William Trudeau was 27. Oliver Kapanen was 26. Theus Anderson was 25. Jakob Dobish was 24. Jacob Fowler was 23. Jaden Struble was 22. Emil Heineman was 21. Yessi Yelona was 20. Riley Kidney was 19. Philip Machar was 18. Arbor Jackai was 17. Mayu 16. Farrell 15. Harris 14. Harvey Pinard 13. Engstrom 12. Barron 11. Beck 10. Joshua Wyatt 9th. Alex Newhook 8th. David Reinbacher 7th. Lane Hudson 6th. Uris Lefkowski 5. Caden Gooley four, Doc three, Caulfield two, Suzuki one. It's a lot of names. It's a lot of analysis. You can go check out all the profiles in the article there. If you go to the uh, community versus staff voting thing, there are links to all the profiles that you can read in here. There are a lot of good names further down this list than they ever have been before. And then that is not because they are bad prospects or that they got worse. It's that the Canadians have added so many good pieces under the age of 25 at this point gotta love that depth and it is a lot like if you take it you know in context the canadians aren't doing too badly and so maybe we don't need to overstress about the draft videos um in the meantime i will be back on friday with the friday mailbag episode uh, so please send us your questions locked at gmail.com you can leave them in the youtube comments put mailbag question at the beginning so we will see it um or you can uh tweet us on former twitter LO underscore Canadians. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Like I said, we're going to go back up to five days a week. And one of the first things that we're going to do is we're going to talk rookie showcase that week. So make sure, and Scott will be there. He'll literally be there. So make sure that you are subscribed. You tell your friends. Uh, and if you want people to find us, leave us good reviews on Apple or Spotify or whatever. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm going to thank everybody so much for listening. And we will see you next time.